there was something about a crisis like this and spirituality and having faith and hope that we're going to get out of this someday. And so for whatever reason, uh, the combination of, of having hope injected into your arm in a faith-based location carries a lot of meaning. Welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk, where some of the brightest minds in healthcare help us break down the latest news and developments. I'm Rob Hoyle, alongside my co-host, Chris Gazuski, and today our special guest joining us back on the podcast again is Dr. Deb Salas-Lopez. She is the Senior Vice President of Community Population Health for Northwell Health, and today our special guest joining us virtually is Reverend Scott Williams, who's from the Memorial Presbyterian Church in Roosevelt. This was the site of a testing center and recently a vaccination center. We're bringing health care to the communities that need it the most. How did this work out, Reverend Williams? Well, it was a wonderful initiative. Uh, it was sponsored by the governor's office of faith-based initiatives in conjunction with Northwell Health, and it was seamless. No trouble, no problems. We were in and out 10 to 6. It was great. And it's, it's an initiative that we would love to continue. Dr. Salas-Lopez, why is it so important to bring, bring these services to the communities that are underserved? Well, we were at uh, Memorial Presbyterian last year doing testing. So these are faith-based leaders that we are, have, have established great relationships with. And we came back. We said we would come back. And we came back for, with the vaccine. Reverend Williams, the, the leadership is fantastic to work with. They know their community. They're a trusted leader in their community. So coming back with the vaccine was seamless. And we counted on him to do the outreach and to do the education within the community to bring people in to get the vaccine. Tell us how this worked. Like, how does this get off the ground? Well, we start by um, asking, would you like us to bring the vaccine to you if there's an opportunity. The sites are selected by the governor, and of course it's based on how much vaccine supply we can get. Once we've established that, because we know uh, the church and we know the faith-based organization and the leader, we know if the site can accommodate uh, the vaccine because there are certain specifics that we need for the facility. We need an area to not only vaccinate, but also socially distance as well as 15 to 30 minutes of observation. So we take all of that into account. And with the leader, then we develop an education and outreach plan. We give the faith-based leader talking points. They announce those talking points during their virtual services. Many organizations also have their own social media outlets that they can post uh, and invite people to come get the vaccine. And uh, they also have community outreach that they do with other community-based organizations outside of their own congregation, other leaders in the community that they do outreach to. In the case of Reverend Williams, he did outreach in Freeport, Baldwin, uh, surrounding communities, Hempstead. And even though his congregation is in Roosevelt, he invited community members from a broad uh, area. And it was great to see. And Reverend Williams, how was the, the response from the community and the surrounding communities? Oh, my goodness. It was tremendous. We had folks from all over. We expected only those five communities to show to show up. However, we had a few individuals from Bayshore and Farmingdale and Seaford. 
But the thing that was so great about this particular initiative was that the, the overwhelming majority of the folks who received their vaccine were from the five communities I mentioned and Dr. Salas Lopez mentioned, Roosevelt, Freeport, Baldwin, Hempstead, and Uniondale. And for that, we are grateful because these communities are largely communities of color who have not had equitable access to this vaccine. Yeah, and it's also disproportionately, COVID has disproportionately impacted communities like yours and, and your congregation. Dr. Salas Lopez, we, we've known this, we've seen this through testing. Is there more we can do? Like, can we, can we continue this effort moving forward? Absolutely. I mean, obviously it's all going to be vaccine dependent. Mm -hmm. you know, the more vaccine we get, there's a push uh, from Governor Cuomo, uh, the new administration in Washington to ensure that there's safe, effective and equitable distribution of, the, of this vaccine, particularly in communities of color, black, brown and Latinx communities. And we're working hard to make sure that that happens. These were communities that were disproportionately affected by COVID. They also, even prior to COVID, had high unmet social needs. And so the social needs were only exacerbated by COVID. So these are communities that do not have access to a car or transportation. They're a senior community. And so we really do need to figure out how we reach these hard-to-reach, vulnerable, high-risk, high-need communities in ways that make sense for them using and working through in partnership with faith-based leaders like Reverend Williams. Yeah, let's stay on that for a second. Reverend Williams, how, how has COVID impacted your community? Well, uh, I specifically know 25 ministers who have transitioned or passed away from COVID. My father-in-law, Eaton Coward, he passed away. Close friends passed away. I was hospitalized for 11 days uh, in the early stage of, of COVID. I was hospitalized in late March to early April, and it was horrific. And then there are a number of, of individuals in our church community that are, have tested positive. We have had no deaths, thank God, to COVID-19. However, many family members of our congregant, congregants have tested positive or have passed away from COVID-19. So it has ravaged our community. We're dying at a rate of three times more than our white counterparts. We believe that this is something that is not just a, a want, but is a need in our communities. And that's why this is so important that our folks in the black and brown and Latinx community receive equal access, equitable access to this much needed vaccine. That's, there's a number of churches. It's also in, in Nassau County and in Suffolk County. And and how does this, does this keep going? And do, are people, are other faith-based uh, um, establishments coming and saying, hey, can we get this too? Or can we get some guidance and help? Yes. Uh, so we, we, did, we have established a Long Island Health Equity Task Force. That task force is made of over 85 community and faith-based leaders from Nassau and Suffolk County. And their role is to help uh, educate and provide outreach to communities to give them the information they need to make an informed decision on whether or not to take the vaccine. And equally important is to plan and inform where this vaccine has to be prioritized. And so uh, we're working hard with that uh, task force. 
to ensure that when you, we look at our data, as an example, where were the most COVID positive cases coming from? Where Per 1,000 in the population, where are there high social vulnerability issues, such as poverty, unemployment, a use of mass transit, disability, multiple generations living in one house, household. We take all of that data into account. And then we look for opportunities to go to that community to see whether uh, we can use a faith-based organization as a vaccination site. Today, we have six of them that we've done in Nassau and Suffolk County. We hope to continue to do this. Of course, as I said before, it will be vaccine dependent. We need to get more vaccine, as Reverend Williams just said. Yeah, I think everybody's uh, suffering from the, the, the limited supply. And uh, hopefully, if we can get more vaccines like Johnson & Johnson and you know AstraZeneca to get approved, it would just open it up and we can do this in, in more communities. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I actually think that we need multiple channels, right? You know, we have the mass vaccination sites. So we have, you know, Jones Beach and we have the ones that the Governor Cuomo is opening up. Uh, and then you're hearing about pharmacies getting this. Uh, in Nassau County, Walgreens did four pharmacies uh, last weekend. And, and so, uh, you know, people are going to have access in various ways. The important thing to understand about the faith-based initiative, and, and, and I put in community-based initiative too, like federally qualified health centers, most of which are in underserved communities. The importance of those channels of delivery is that they're within the community. So people can walk there. In the example of Reverend Williams and Memorial Presbyterian, people were walking from across the street to get there, and they trust that leader. If Reverend Williams says, come, they will come. Well, that, you hit it right there on the head. I mean, we, we say it all the time, you know, it's going to take a village, but I think it takes a community or communities uh, to really get us out of this pandemic. The vaccine is the biggest tool, but if we're not in these communities, we're not going to really, we're not going to fully be able to escape this terrible disease. And don't forget, Chris, there's still a lot of misinformation out there about the vaccine. For sure, yeah. There's vaccine hesitancy and mistrust for rightful reasons. Reverend Williams, have you seen any of that in your community? Well, that's interesting. Uh, I shared uh, last week that our community, with few exceptions, uh, were very, very interested in having access to this resource. Uh, we haven't, we've had a few individuals in the church and a few in the community that have said that they are hesitant primarily because of what has happened in years past with folks uh, that are black, brown, and Latinx, the uh, Tuskegee experiment and, and other experiments where uh, black, brown, and Latinx folks were negatively impacted. But overall, we've, we've had nothing but positive, uh, a positive reaction to the possibility of being vaccinated. And we have a, a waiting list now of individuals from our community and from our church who are just waiting to be vaccinated. Yeah, and I think people need to realize too, no matter what community you're in, this disease, this pandemic affects everybody and we're all in this together. And for us to get healthy as a society, we all need to, to be doing the right thing. Right, I think, you know, Listen, in the ideal world, 
we have enough vaccine for everybody. And that's going to come. Every community deserves a vaccine. Every community member that wants it gets a vaccine. That's where we're headed. Today, we have to prioritize those communities that are at highest risk and populations at the highest risk, the elderly, the senior population. We also have to figure out what are the best ways, how to outreach the elderly population. Just as an example, many of them do not know how to navigate a website or don't have a computer. Sure. And in some cases, don't have the data plan yeah. to to stand on to sit on the phone for 25 minutes, right? So we do have to work through community, trusted leaders in the community to reach those populations uh, that really do need support and help and information so that they can get the vaccine. Is there uh, anything else that the Equity Task Force is working on? Sure. In addition to uh, the work that I described, getting together and talking about education and outreach and planning, uh, the task force is developing a list of sites, both faith-based sites as well as community-based organizations that are interested and could potentially serve as facilities for uh, vaccinating our community. So we're working on that. We will be sending that over to the governor's office. We've already sent out one draft. Of course, it'll be a living, breathing document because the site's are checked off uh, or sites don't qualify because they're too small, we'll add other sites. So that, that's an important uh, you know, body of work. Uh, they're also looking for data. They would like information on where is the vaccine going today? What communities are getting it? What are the zip codes? What about race and ethnicity? So they're look, gonna look at data to ensure that the vaccine is getting you know, equitably distributed. So a lot of work around data and informing and also work around compiling where we should go with the vaccine in terms of the community. Yeah. And how much of an influence now does this equity task force have on policy and, and shaping policy for in the in the government? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. We started the task force for the for the vaccine. We anticipate. In fact, I had a, a meeting with the subcommittee chairs yesterday. And they said, we anticipate that this task force should continue because equity and the issues around equity don't stop with the vaccine. They should continue. There is equity around access to care. There's equity around insurance status. And so we anticipate that there's an opportunity for the work of this task force to continue post the vaccine. So this is the blueprint that we're writing right now. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've had plenty of discussions about this and how this can be while COVID has been such a terrible disease and impacted so many, but it can also be a major lesson of how we can continue to work with, you know, uh, congregations like Reverend Williams Leeds and and other communities that need us. That's right. So this is not something that's just going to disappear when the pandemic disappears, because there's other big problems out there too. Just every year, the flu is is a right. killer. We have many problems to solve. Yeah. So yeah. Reverend Williams, are you looking forward to this uh, this continuing partnership? Absolutely. Northwell is a valuable partner, and we pray and hope that we will continue to work together to meet the needs of this community and other communities in need. That's great. And have you also been partner, you know, you're kind of like a, um, an ambassador for this. Have you been also reaching out to other faith-based um, uh, organizations too and, and, and kind of pushing them along? 
Yes, we. I have a, a large network of pastors and, and faith-based organizations uh, that I engage with, and I've been telling them about what we did and that they need to be ready when, if called upon, to serve at, in this capacity. We're actually inviting Reverend Williams and faith-based leaders to a forum that we're sponsoring later this month with the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, and their deputy uh, around diversity and equity. And she's going to talk about the vaccine, vaccine hesitancy, how was the vaccine developed, and we will partner her with clinical leadership from our own, from Northwell. And we're going to invite the Health Equity Task Force, the faith-based leaders, and of course our Northwell colleagues, as well as community leaders, to come and hear her talk about vaccines in communities of color. Yeah, we need to equip them with as much, you know, Reverend Williams, we need to equip you with as much uh, artillery you can have so you can spread it out amongst your uh, your congregation and, you know, just continue that positive message. Yes. This is a great opportunity. And, and I believe that uh, because we're using churches and faith-based organizations, there is already a trust level that is embedded into that relationship between community member and faith-based organization. So there is, they, they feel a little more comfortable in, in, um, in receiving information and believing information. Yes, you know, it was interesting, the, the first two churches we, we launched on Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Day, and in, in Prayer Tabernacle in, in Amityville, the pews were used as observation stations. And it was very inspiring. There was something about a crisis like this and spirituality and having faith and hope that we're going to get out of this someday. And so for whatever reason, uh, the combination of, of having hope injected into your arm in a faith-based location, carries a lot of meaning. That's very powerful. Those that Speaks believe. volumes, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a, what a message. That is awesome. We're, we're almost near the end of our 20-minute health talk. We always like to end on a positive note, so I want to hear from both of you about what gives you hope and optimism going forward. For me, what gives me hope is working with people like Reverend Scott Williams. He not only believes in a higher power, but he believes in science. He believes in the power of a vaccine. And he's using his faith, he's using his relationships, not only in his congregation, but in his community, to message that to everyone that will hear him. That gives me hope. Awesome. And the thing that gives me hope is the idea that although this has been a trying time and a difficult season for many people, it is the relationship building that we've done with Northwell and the Governor's Office of Faith-Based Initiatives that has served to help us to address this virus head on and I believe that as long as we have time, we have hope. And if we can just do what we need to do, share the good news, the good news of the gospel and the good news of the vaccine, I believe that many people who were previously challenged and previously afraid will then 
draw down this resource that is invaluable to this community. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Well, I want to say thank you so much, Reverend Scott Williams, for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. Dr. Deb Salas-Lopez, thank you so much as always. And for everybody who tuned in, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a great week and stay safe. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.